Switch, and there is the long ball over the top, and there might be trouble here for Arsenal. There is trouble. What a strike that is for Rachel Furness. Well, sat up nicely for Jade Moore. Furness! Breakthrough for Reading! Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork podcast. Today's guest is one of Northern Ireland's most coveted players and current Liverpool midfielder, Rachel Furness. How are you, Rachel? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, obviously, strange times at the minute, but making the best out of you know these crazy times. Um, so yeah, I'm good, thanks. I've seen that you were, uh, you were having a bit of a kick about with the dog, is that right, in the garden this morning? I've seen that on Twitter, I'll be honest. Yeah, I did. Um, he's kind of my training partner at the minute. Obviously, you know, with isolation and getting out exercising once a day, um, you know, you have to you have to motivate yourself. You have to you have to get yourself out running, and I kind of tie that in with with dog walks. And I think the the first couple of weeks of isolation, he was chasing us around the field. But now I just think he looks at us and just, you know, questions what I'm doing. Just, you know, you're running again. Um, so yeah, I took him out. Um, I've got a, I've got a small garden at my parents' house, but I took him out and um, just working on me one v ones. Just, just having a, having a bit of fun in in isolation. You know, like you, you have got to make the best out of out of you know these these moments. And for me, it's it's time at home with with my family and my dog. Are you back home um, in the northeast at the moment then? Yes, I am. When um, when lockdown was approaching, um, Liverpool as a club, because um, um, some of us are in apartments, um, the club did suggest we if we could go home, um, to go home and obviously be with family and, you know, stay safe and, look after ourselves and our family. So I'm very fortunate that I did get to come home and I'm spending some quality time with the with the with the family. You know, it's I've lived away from home now for four or five years. So for me this is this is precious time in in difficult times and I'm very happy um to be having a stint back in, up in the northeast. Talking about obviously your career, we're going to go right from the, the very early days. But I suppose before we do that, first and foremost, you joined Liverpool on officially the 28th of December, I think. I think I've got the date exactly right from um, Reading. But coronavirus and isolation aside, how have you been settling in the first few months? The first few months, you know, it's it's hard because you see a first a first few months and um, not the, the old cliche of, oh, I feel like I've been here forever. But it does feel like I've been at at Liverpool and a part of Liverpool for a lot longer than I have. Um, I feel like the the type of person and personality that I've got, um, you know, I I talk to a brick wall. I I talk to I'm blue in the face. You know, I don't I don't struggle to have a conversation. So I feel like the Liverpool as a club, you know, right from the management. Um, Court, like the coaches, the the girls, um, they were all very welcoming, um, and so I feel like I, that helped um, help myself settle a lot quicker. Um, you know, being in the game as long as I have, um, I can't say I've played for you know a handful of teams. I, I mean, 
I've not had to move teams a lot in my career. Um, so for me, you know, something new at my age, it, you know, I, I wasn't expecting it, I guess. Um, but, I mean, I hit the ground running and I've thoroughly enjoyed every every second of being at Liverpool so far. So going back, as I always say to the teenage years, but we can take this back as far as you possibly want because it's a pretty <laughs> open question, I think. Um what are kind of your earliest memories of maybe not so much watching football or playing football, but basically just falling in love with it? What was the first time you went, hang on, I quite like this kicking a ball about thing and then start learning more? I think, um, so my growing up, um, two older brothers, um, to be honest, one of my brothers was more into, you know, athletics, trampoline and that side of things. Didn't really take an interest in football, but um, Stephen, my older brother, used to used to play around the streets with with all the lads, and you know, just being an annoying little sister, I wanted to I wanted to be like my big brother, um, you know. So I used to follow him about, asked if I could join in, and I think I just got a love of it from from there, you know. Um, my family are very football orientated. Everyone in my family loves football. And um, yeah, I just think it obviously it, it got us outside. And I think once I started and thought, oh, I'm not too bad at this. And then the, the lads in the street used to knock on the door and ask if I was coming out to play football rather than my brother. Um, you know, I thought, oh, I must be doing something, something right here. Um, and it just continued from then. Um, there was a, a man in my street um, who um, used to run a little a boys football team, Stella Maris. Um, and he just asked if I wanted to come down and train. And I did. And obviously, I think I was, oh, can't remember how old I was, uh, <laughs> quite young. Um, yeah. when, I was able, when I was able to play, I used to play in the league with them until... I was, I think it was 13 when I got told I was no longer allowed to play in the boys team. You know, the manager took us to one side and broke the news. And if I'm honest, I was, I was quite heartbroken. Um, I didn't know, I didn't know girls played football. I didn't know women played football. I just thought, not that I was the only one, but, you know, like we were discussing, um, there wasn't a lot of girls teams out there. No yeah. academies like we have like we have these days. So um, my teacher, my school teacher, I played for the for the school team as well. He was like, Oh Rachel, I've I've heard of a girls team in Chesley Street. Um do you wanna do you wanna go and train? Um and if I'm honest, it it did take um a lot of um you know a lot of just go on, just do a lot of persuasion because yeah. I didn't wanna I didn't want to play with other girls. I wanted to stay with the lads and continue to play and um, play with them. And anyway, so I got round and I went to went to have trials and so my parents couldn't drive at the time and I was I was very fortunate that my granddad um, had a car he drove and he was able to take us over to Chesley Street. So it's you know it's a twenty minute drive from where I live, so it's quite far. Um, so he took us over. And I think we were training at at that time two, maybe three times a week. And my granddad used to take us there, 
watches, bring us back, you know, like commit commit so much of his time to 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 driving me and that I always say without my kind of granddad putting in them hours for me I, I wouldn't be where I am today um so I'm very obviously fortunate and, and grateful that he he was a golf man himself and he you know at first he didn't he didn't quite get his playing football <laughs> but um I made it up to him I guess by by being his caddy the odd weekend so <laughs> <laughs> Um, but from from Chesley Street, um, I jumped into women's football quite early. I remember I played one season for the under forty, under thirteen, under fourteens. Yeah. Um, to which I'm gonna brag, we won everything there was to win. <laughs> Feel um, free. I'm alright. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> I think Carly Telford was um, was at Chesley Street at the same time. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, she could she could vouch that for that. A lot. that yeah, <laughs> that we we did we did win a lot um, as as young kids, um, and then I think we jumped on uh, the the women's team. I think from the age of fifteen, sixteen, when it yeah. when you were when you were allowed, and I kind of didn't look look back from them in in um, senior football. Um, and that's how I got my first call up for Northern Ireland. So my coach at the um, at the time for Chesley Street, Pauline Godward, um, obviously my granddad was Northern Irish, and you know my my mum was born in Northern Ireland, but my dad is is English, and I guess um, with with us playing for Chesley Street, I wasn't linked to an academy to a at that directly. time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, I remember Sunderland were just getting an academy that I had trials for and got in with with Jill Scott at the time, and I was I got put in a position to where I had to choose Chesley Street or the Sunderland um, Academy, and at the time um, I trialed, I got in and. At the time, because oh, I think I was mid-season with Chesley Street, I was playing, you know, in the women's team. I decided to stay with Chesley Street, um, so I didn't go down the, the academy route. Um, not to say that, you know, I mean, these days the academies are fantastic. Not to say it was the right or wrong decision. That was just a decision I made. I made yeah. at the time. Um, so my coach, um, I mean, this could be a bit, my coach at the time was like, Rachel, because you are not playing in the academy, um, she wanted to get me trials for England, Northern Ireland. Um, she said, because you're not linked to the academy, um, England won't come watch you play. Um, why, which, why was that? Why, why would they like block you from doing that? I've um I've no idea. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a young young kid, fifteen, sixteen, and I didn't want to not that it was forcing into an academy, but I guess I had the strong opinion, you know, it shouldn't it shouldn't matter who you play for. If yeah, if you're good enough, you're good enough. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and obviously yeah, I mean you see you see it more so more so now. I don't know, you know, that obviously times do change, things develop. Um, so I, d- I went for trials for Northern Ireland. Um, my granddad had 
recently passed away um, and my mum being born in Northern Ireland herself, um, you know, I felt like, why not? Like it's, yeah, it's in my absolutely. blood. Um, I think the, the best honour is representing your country and um, I'm proud to be British and I'm, I'm proud to represent Northern Ireland. Um, so I was, I got through the trials and we had a, it was a mini nations tournament. So mm -hmm. it was Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales, England, and we played in a under 17s tournament. Um, so I played against England. I played against the home nations and funnily enough, um, a couple of weeks later, my Chelsea Street coach said that she'd um, received a letter from England <laughs> to say that um, they would give us trials, having yeah. watched us play. And I guess it was a very, you know, bold decision from myself at the time. I had the choice again, but for me, I'd already committed. Made the decision, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, whether people would agree or disagree, um, it was a decision I made as a young kid and I stuck to it and it's the best decision I've I've ever made in my footballing career. Um, I've been lucky enough. Yeah. When you sorry, yeah, I didn't mean to. Interject, no, no, it's no, sorry. When you look at like, um, I suppose when you look at people who have changed allegiances, like sort of, I mean, off the top of my head, Declan Rice is the first one that comes to my mind. There's a few mm -hmm. people that have changed allegiances, played like their their youth team, and then changed. I mean, Ryan Giggs was one. Obviously, he played for England under 17s, I think, then went towards Wales. I think there's yeah. sometimes a little bit of a. I, I don't know if it's just me coming from a fan's perspective, but changing your allegiances when you've made that decision just doesn't quite sit right with me. Um, did you feel very much like you'd made that decision and there was nothing that was going to change your mind? You were sticking with that. That was your decision no matter what. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I've went, I was, well, I, I guess it was, it was in the early, early days of my, my um, Northern Ireland career, but Looking back now, um, I've went through all the youths in Northern Ireland. Uh, I've represented every age group I could. And, you know, when it comes to the the tournaments, I do I do support the, the England team. Yeah. I support I support Northern Ireland men. I support England men. Like I'm, you know, I'm proud as I, I guess as a nation. Um, no, you know, I don't have any bitterness um, at all. I went yeah. to the university games. I, I, um, I represented Great Britain University in the university games. So, you know, I, I'm very proud and um, I do think things happen for a reason. Um, I've Absolutely. got over 70 caps now for, for Northern Ireland and not I've had a lot of injuries either. in my... <laughs> no, no, not a bad no, score record at all. <laughs> and and you know you, you do think things happen for a reason and would I have had as many caps for England would I have travelled the world as much as I, I have done um, would have I, I experienced and you know had the hurdles that I have playing for Northern Ireland um, because it, it has been tough you know it's it's been a tough 15 16 years um to having to always break down barriers and, yeah. you know, Northern Ireland compared to the England women's team, we're still developing. Um, we're still breaking down barriers. We're still trying to get the leagues better in Northern Ireland. We're, we're forever fighting. And I think, 
you know, I'm proud of that fight and I'm proud to be a part of it. And I'm proud to have represented Northern Ireland for, well, since I was, you know, 15, 16. Absolutely. You're kind of someone that when you look back and when Northern Ireland do have that level of where, you know, England are at and they do reach that peak, you can look back as someone who was part of that sort of that journey and someone that became part of it. You spoke before about supporting um, sort of England tournaments, Northern Ireland men in the tournaments and, and stuff like that and mm-hmm. being where you're from. Am I right in saying you were brought up in Durham? I'm um, brought up in Washington. Washington, ah, right. Well, even better. Um, yeah, so it's kind of, um, it's a mixture, as you'll probably well know of, Newcastle, Sunderland, it kind Absolutely. of meets in the middle. Um, yeah. So yeah, born and bred in um, in Washington. So did you have a team growing up? Obviously, I know you played for Newcastle <laughs> and Sunderland, but did you have a team that you were... Because I know some people grow up and they don't actually have a club. They just like football. Um, I'm not like that, but some people very much are. But did you have like an allegiance towards a black and white or a red and white at the time? Um, it was it, it was and still is um, 100% Newcastle. See, I knew that. I was just, um, I was just reeling you in. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, obviously, I played for Sunderland yeah. for, I think it was 12 years, um, and I enjoyed every second at Sunderland. Um, was it difficult to start off with? 100%. Um, did my family agree with it? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, you know, I used, to, I used to wear black and white boots just yeah. to have a bit of black and white on us when I wore the kit. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, any any professional, any sports person, I wanted to push myself and play at the highest level possible. Um, and, you know, so growing up, Sunderland, I mean, history speaks for itself. Um, Sunderland was was the team everyone wanted to play for in the Northeast. And I was, you know, I'm very grateful and thankful that I was able to represent the club for as as long as I did. When you you mentioned before when you were um, Chesterley Street and that sort of Jill was part of that sort of group of people at the time and I think I think you're a similar age I think she's a couple of years above I think is she is that correct yeah um, I think so one two one or two something like that yeah <laughs> is she is she at the club was she at the club when you were um, Sunderland obviously because you moved on from from there to Sunderland originally but did you have sort of the likes of Jill and stuff around the squad at the time? Because I know obviously there's a, this production reel of players that have came through mm-hmm. and many of them still either in the WSL or in the likes of Lucy Bronze winning sort of all sorts of kind of individual accolades. But what was the squad like at the time when you were coming through? Because I think you went there when you were 15, well, 16? 16, yes. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jill Scott was there. Um, Mel Ray, who's now obviously yep. the coach. She was still playing. Um Steph Horton, who at the time, she played right wing slash up front, um, would you believe? Um, yeah, there, were, there was a lot and coming through the ranks. Um, the longer, obviously, I was at um, Sunderland, there was Demi Stokes. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, because I, I had a bad injury when I was um, 17, so I kind of, I mean, it's not like it is these days to where you can, I guess getting injured then and the physios re- rehabilitation all that wasn't as good or maybe as funded as it is these days yeah absolutely um, yeah yeah completely get that you know I yeah. wouldn't say as good because it I, I guess it was but you know the oh, it's the funding isn't it and what what's kind of put into it by the club officially and I think rightly or wrongly it maybe wasn't as funded 
10, 12, 13 years ago as opposed to maybe it is now. I mean, it's it's made huge strides to be sort of speaking off there, and that, that's probably one of them. Um, that was yeah. one of the things I was going to ask. Because you, you did, was it Ikushi you did when you were quite young? What, 17 or so? I, I, do you know what? As bad as it, I did everything but my cruciate. So. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, lucky, but you're not. <laughs> no, because I mean, you do your cruciate. I mean, it's bad. Like it's, it's you know, it's a horrendous injury, and it's a year out of football, and then you can kind of rehab and you can come back stronger. Um, I did my cartilage in my right knee, um, and I had a, you know, a, a, what I guess was I thought was going to be an operation to kind of fix it, and the surgeon at the time said. You know, from this, we've shaved your cartilage and the rest's going to disintegrate to where it's going to be bone on bone in your knee. So we advise you not to play football again. And I mean, hearing that as a kid was was tough and yeah. I didn't have, I guess, the support around us to say, no, Rachel, if you build yourself back up, you make yourself stronger, then you, you can still you can play. You just mm-hmm. have to maybe manage yourself in different ways. So that was, I'd say, one of the you know, toughest times of my career. I, I kind of had time out and I didn't think I was coming back. Um, hence why you know, I left Sunderland and thought I couldn't play football again. Um, I think I had nearly two years out. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a switch went in my head and I was, I, I'll fully admit, I was, I was overweight. I was, you know, maybe drinking, 18-year-old at this time, I was maybe drinking too much alcohol. Yeah. I didn't have a great diet. Um, I didn't, I guess, seek maybe the support I needed, you know, depression, like all that thing, all them things that I guess as a young adult, you know, you don't know how to how to kind of deal and cope with that. I was still trying to keep myself social with football, mm-hmm. but to keep yourself social with football, I guess, 10, 15 years ago, was going out having a drink. Yeah, of course. And, yeah, yeah, That side of it's changed without, a little bit as well, hasn't it? So Yeah, no, right. it, it's, cha- it's changed massively. And, you know, so I went through, I guess, a, a rough couple of years before that switch said, why don't you try and exercise? Why don't you try and go for a run? And I guess, um, I mean, if I showed you a photo of me back then, you'd see, you wouldn't even recognise us. Um, you know, and I guess slowly there was nothing that happened overnight. It mm-hmm. was it was a three, four, five years process. And I'd even say it's still ongoing because I guess, you know, when are you course, yeah. 100% happy, you can always like, you know, strive and yeah. to improve, to improve yourself as a, as a person and, you know, an athlete. Um, and as I started to exercise a little bit more, you know, you start to cut things out like that, alcohol, sort and nutrition. And, I had a friend at Newcastle who was like, oh, Rachel, why, why don't you just come train? They were in, I think, at the time, the league below Sunderland. So it was kind of no pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Not yeah. that, yeah, it was just like, just come, just kind of see what you can do. And I remember one of my first training sessions, um, Rob Atkin was was manager and he was just like, oh, just, just go for a run around the field. We're going for a warm-up. 
And I remember I almost struggled to do a lap around the field. And I was like, wow, like that, I guess, shocked us, bit of reality kicks in, and then kind of gave us the hunger watching the other girls run, thinking that, like, I want that to be me again. Yeah. And I mean, from then, like, slowly but truly, I got playing for Newcastle and I enjoyed a stint at Newcastle and I continued to push myself. And that's when um, Mick Mulham rang his back up and was like, Fernie, like, we want you back. Like, we, we want you in playing. And I remember having the conversation. I was like, look, Mick, like, I'm enjoying my football at the time. Like, I'm trying to get myself back and get the enjoyment before not so much the pressure comes with it but that season Sunderland were doing really well and that's a season they got to their FA Cup final um, yeah. against Arsenal at, um, Dor- um, Dor- I think it was at Derby County and so that was a season that Mick wanted us to join and I said I was like look like your midfield you've got the likes of Jordan Nobbs Kelly McDougall yeah. I'm not ready to challenge them yet I, I feel like I can challenge them, but I'm not, but not in a point. place to... Yeah. Um, so that season, they got to their FA Cup final. I remember going supporting them because a lot of my friends, you know, seem to still to this day, you know, I, I support all my friends in football and, you know, I was gutted for them that day and I remember joining the season after. I think Jordan Nobbs had just moved to Arsenal. Yeah. I mean, whether to say that Open the door a bit more. There was a space there to fill for myself. Um, I mean, I was ready to compete that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mick, Mick pushed us with that. And then, obviously, I mean, history um, for Sunderland, I mean, speaks for itself. We were, we were very successful. And even with our setbacks, um, we had a team that was a family-orientated team. It was a a team that was so together that sometimes football, you know, the best football wouldn't get played, but the the heart and the determination and that side of things would get us results. And I thrived off being a part of that team. And, you know, that's some some of my best memories do you know when you first got picked up, uh, like the first time around, obviously I knew it was Mick the, the second time around. Was it Mick the first time around as well? So it's, it was Alan and Mick. So I think at the time, um, Alan Snowden, I think Mick maybe worked just under Alan or they worked right, okay. together. And yeah, there was a few of a different um, people in and around. Um, but Alan was the, the forefront the first time. Um, and then Mick, obviously, over the years, become more more involved when Alan, I think, ste- um, stepped aside. Because when you look at Mick's like track record, I spoke to Beth about this as well, and I said, like, you know, you look at the players that he's kind of spotted. It's almost like now, if like, if he saw, say, like a a girl just coming through playing football, like eleven, twelve year old, if he looked at it and said, like, you know, I think think she might be all right when she gets like 16, 17. You'd kind mm-hmm. of trust him because of that production reel. But like at the time when you when he asked you to come back and things like that, was his reputation as, as high at that point sort of nationally or did you just, and did you know 
how good he was at like spotting that talent, does that give you a, should we say a, a confidence boost? Cause you said, obviously maybe, you know, you wanted to be at that point, but when Mick says, look, come back, if you think, well, if Mick, if Mick Mulhern wants us, maybe I've, maybe I am ready to come back. Yeah. Um, you know, without really realizing or thinking at the time, it, it might have been, you know, Mick was very well respected in the Northeast and he still is. And, at that time, a few of the girls were getting called up for England, so he did have a good reputation. And poor at the time, poor Mick Mulhern, like he, he wants us to play at Sunderland. I guess you know any any young kid, it was yeah, some like the the head of the Northeast at the time wants me to play in their team, wants me to be part of that. So yeah, without thinking at that time, it was obviously a compliment that he wanted to. I guess improve me as a as a person as a as a player and push me to become better and to be a part of that that Sunderland team. There was a point when you were at Sunderland, obviously. Um, actually, I think it was potentially maybe before that. I might have skipped too far in, but you went over to um, to Iceland at one point. You played for like uh, the summer. Now there's quite <laughs> a big list of players. Um, obviously, there's a couple of girls that are currently at Middlesbrough. Anna went for a bit. Um, Emma, who's now yes. at Birmingham, she went over as well. Uh, Bassi, I think you played with Bassi, didn't you? Yes, that's Sunderland. Yeah, I did. God, I love Bassi. Good girl. I love Bassi. Crazy, but good, <laughs> yeah. good, good. But potentially the best person on the planet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but what I suppose from the outside looking in, if you're relatively like fresh to to watching women's football, and I hate referring to it as women's football, but there you go. Um, Iceland seems to be like a, a hub where a lot of people go and kind of just go for the experience for a year. But what is it about like football in Iceland that makes a lot of players sort of go over there for the year or two years that it is and come back? Let's be honest, a, a better player in almost every in almost every instance, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for myself at the time, I'd I'd just graduated uni- yeah, university, um, and my friend Sarah McFadden had went a couple of summers before, mm-hmm. and she was just like, "Oh, Fernie, do you do you fancy coming and playing for the summer?" So at the time in England, there was no professional teams. Ah, uh, right, okay. So the, the, this was so this was me. So there was no professional teams at that time. Um, when I just graduated uni and she was like, oh, like Fernie, we're, we're training every day. It's full time. We can get paid. We can work. You know, we can almost live the life of a professional footballer. Yeah, do what you're um, good at basically on a professional level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think the fact of like the full-time football, I'd have, I'd have been stupid not to kind of take up that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was a great experience. It, it was cut a bit short because I tried to get back for the Sunderland start in the new season. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had to cut my time a bit short in Iceland. But it was the first time I'd, you know, lived abroad. It was the first time, I guess I was, I mean, I could cook, but like cooking for myself, having to, you know, be full time and look after my body. It was the first experience of that. And you know, first taste, I guess, of full time full time football. So, I mean, that was that was my reasons for it. And I know over the last however many years, the the girls have continued to do that. And um, I know, I, I know, for me, when I went when I went and played, 
the, Iceland, the Icelandic team, the, the physical, the there were there were miles ahead of what the English game was at that yeah. time. Um, and so yeah, for the girls that have went over in the last few years, it might be just it might be the the life experience, it might be to taste professional football, um, because opportunities are getting harder in the English game now. You know, it's 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 very difficult. And if you've got a professional contract, you know, you you're thankful every day. That's how I look at it. And you know, if the girls have had opportunities to experience that and it's taking them to Iceland, um, I mean, I did it, I loved it, and it, it is a great experience. You talked before about um, moving away. I'm probably skipping too far ahead, but whilst we're on the subject, I'll, I'll go forward and I'll, I'll go back a bit. Um, Not a problem. But you moved, obviously, when you, you first left the Northeast, um, you went to, and we'll come back to that as well, but going to Redden, Spurs, um, as it was, that's so far south compared to where you played previously but did that spell in Iceland kind of help you feel like you could make the move so far away from home because you're like you know what I've done it I've lived in a different country for a year I'm going to be absolutely fine like at the end of the day I don't have to worry about settling I just need to worry about whether I've chose the right team or not yeah um yeah it it would have helped um you know at the at the time when I did leave Sunland and all that happened I, it wasn't, you know. I wanted to. I wanted to play full time football. I, I wanted to still hang on to, you know, being a professional. I'm coming at the back end of my career, so, you know, if you get the opportunity to still be full time, then you're going to jump to it. And to be honest, I maybe think football, 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 and I didn't actually think of where I'm going to live how I'm going to cope money-wise, how am I going to, like, I, I guess away from my family, I knew I could be okay with that and that that would have been, you know, my my summer in Iceland. But it was it was everything around that, that kind of the, I didn't think about. Yeah. Um, and it was the football that overtook that. Um, and so going on to that, I was lucky um, the time I moved to Reading. My cousin lived in Bista, which is an hour away from mm-hmm. Redden's training ground. And I was lucky. Um, I lived with him for the first two, three months of moving down to Redden. Because I can honestly say if he wasn't there, I don't know how I would have, one, found a house, you know, worked out all, all that. There was a lot to take in, to process, to to manage um, the contract at the time with Red and it didn't have accommodation. Mm-hmm. So it was sorting, I guess what I thought was a little thing was actually massive and could yeah. have could have stopped the move if I didn't have my cousin there. So I'm very obviously grateful to him that it was smoother than I guess it could have been. Yeah. Going back to your, your time at Sunderland, obviously incredibly successful, and it was, it was the reason that you went obviously onwards to Redden and Spurs and, and now Liverpool. But looking through, I was looking through the team at the time, and so many names that stick out, and still Kira, who's obviously still at Sunderland, um, no, as red and white as they come, Kira. But um, mm-hmm. Beth Mead was probably the name that really stuck out for me, and you know Beth at that time would have been super young, sixteen, seventeen. Um, when you're training with someone on a regular basis and seeing someone and seeing someone's talent gradually evolving, could you tell that Beth was going to be as good as she eventually was, even at that really young age? 
hundred percent. Like I, I wouldn't even have to think about that. The when the kid come to training, she just like you could tell she just had something special. The way she hit the ball, I mean, she's developed now into a more rounded footballer. Yeah, and um, she was she was more raw back then. Did she? I mean, did she like running? Probably not. Who does as a kid? You just want to kick a ball. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was a there was a lot more to it that you know she's got in her game now. But you could just look at her and go, she's going to go far. And I remember, you know, having conversations with Beth, and I'm like, mate, don't forget us when you when you you know when you're at the top and you're playing for the best team in the country because you're good enough too. Like, I think, and I think the whole squad were like that. Like, we were very, very, I say grateful. We made the most of playing with Beth for as long as we did. And you could only kind of pat her on the back and say all the best, mate, when when she did eventually move on because, I mean, the kids got great talent and you love to see it at one of the best teams in the country and yeah you love to you know be like yeah I was I was there when she started and you know if I've got a little percentage in helping her get to where she is then happy days but the yeah from from day one you could you could tell she was going to be something special I mean, it was a it was a really fantastic team as well. I mean, like I say, Beth is the name that sticks out. It is always a risk of sounding really cliche. It's always like a team effort. Um, your time that you did have at Sunderland, obviously, there's loads of great moments that came with that. And I think you know the reputation of that team that was there at the time speaks absolute volumes. And I mm-hmm. suppose you know, to be honest, and maybe at risk of maybe wanting to say something that I, I don't know whether I, I fully believe now, but I think at the time. Mm-hmm. A lot of people was it was men's football, men's football, men's football, men's football, and that team got that good that it started creeping in to like mm-hmm. people who'd never ever seen a woman play football before. Um, and now, yeah. when you look back at the players and that team, the, the sides that were there. But for you personally, everyone has their own favorite moments. Everyone has their own favorite memories. But what was your sort of favorite pull out moment, if you could pick one from your time that you had at Sunderland and being in that team? Cool. That is a question. There's a few in there. Um, no, no, there is. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is, I guess, a, a quite recent one. I mean, I had so many good times at Sunderland and we got knocked down so many times and we kept on proving ourselves over and over again. And I think the... The first season, we um, so we didn't get accepted into the the Super League at the time. Yeah. Um, in the first season, we did, and we were in the WSL too, and we won it. And you know, we kind of—I'm not going to say wiped the floor, but we maybe just showed ourselves again. Whether you have to prove yourself again, but I guess we won it, and because we we're. we're believed were we should be here you know our results not not money our results and our team speaks for itself the talent yeah. we've got we do like we want to play football to deserve to be in the highest league and um, obviously through everything that happened um 
have to kind of be careful what I'm saying here too. For everything <laughs> I, that, I that, yeah. that went on, um, that was kind of, I mean, we got recollection from, I, I remember half of the girls in the WSL one at the time, I remember tweets saying things all over social media going, you know, this is like almost what they deserve, like after the knockbacks they've had. And I just think that it was just, you know, we won the Prem. I think as we didn't get accepted into do ourselves, we kept on winning the Prem, kept on like breaking records again. And <laughs> I just think winning that WSL too at that time, it was, it was just a, such a great moment for the club. Um, I'm going to say Sunderland as a whole club. It was obviously the the men at the time um, weren't having a great time. I'll say as per um, usual. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think it was something that one you know the the, the fans that had at games, like you said before, it turned it turned a lot of people's heads, and it, it did, turned a lot yeah. of men supporters heads and you want success in your club and at the time the women's team was the success of the whole club yeah and um, so I think that was kind of a, a a moment at Sunderland that I will you know you know cherish and I remember the the, the game we won away at Millwall yeah, I was going to say it was Millwall wasn't it yeah I remember that yeah Kira's yeah Kira, Kira Lobb was it a Kira Lobb Am I right in saying it was Kira that did that? Um, yes. I thought it was, yes, yeah. Yes, Kira. Kelly McDougall scored and That's I scored right. a header yeah. and it was just, I mean, the togetherness of the whole team, the whole squad, the, it was just it was just a fantastic season and, yeah, it was... It was, it was great memories. Honestly, I'm just, I'm just replaying it now <laughs> back in my head and, yeah, all the girls, like when we do get together um it's it's like I seen them yesterday. I think I yeah. think we'll always have that. It was a it was a special, special team, a special family kind of vibe that we had going on and yeah, it was it was it was good times. Almost like one of those times like when you when you hang your boots up, that's gonna be that sort of maybe team. And I'm sure you've played another teams as well that have got very fond memories, but that's gonna be one of the teams where you really look as maybe the first real successful kind of team bond and, and winning things and that, that's going to be one of the moments you just look back on isn't it and you're just going to kind of cherish when when the boots hopefully in quite a few years yet do finally get hung up though <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed yeah I mean yeah I've got I mean I'm very lucky that I was at Sunderland for the for the number of years that I was and you know I've got a good 10-15 year I've got great memories to where I can look back and be and be very proud of of the teams I was in, the management I was under and the players that I was I was lucky enough to to play with. With Sunderland obviously moving on from when you left, um you went to Reading as we've kind of touched on as well. Now I, I remember obviously you, you scored against Sunderland um not long afterwards. Now you know what? Yeah. Um and this is my own personal perspective. I hate when players play against the former teams and don't celebrate because for me, it would drive me crazy if it's the way around. So I'm just like, just celebrate. But saying that, um, obviously you're delighted when you, you know, you score for your brand new club. You, I think you 
put Red and I think it was 2-0 up at the time as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but does it feel different when it's against a club that you've got such an affinity for? Obviously, you're happy, but does it feel a bit like, oh, that felt a bit different? Yeah. At the start of the game, I mean, I wanted to win. Yeah, I'm a footballer. I want to win. It doesn't matter who it's against. Um, and... I don't know. I've I've had this conversation a few times with a few of the girls and a few people are like, well, of course I'd celebrate against my old club. Of course I would. And I don't know, at the time, and the the team that I was still playing against was a lot of my teammates that I'd played a number of years with. It was Lozy and Gold, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I'm on a... <laughs> No, I know, I know. I keep on reminding her, like, she um, she said I mishit it, but, you know, let, let, let's just say she'd give us that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for me, it was it was a lot bigger than just celebrating against my old club. If it was, I say, you know, taking the, the players, the staff out of it, I'd have celebrated, but... Sure. It was more out of respect for the girls that I was playing against and my friends I grew up with. Like that was, you know, I was I was over the moon I'd scored, mm-hmm. but it was just like, I guess the respect and everything. I'm not a say whoever, you know, celebrates against the old teams doesn't respect the team. But for me, it was just a moment that I didn't. I guess I didn't think about if I scored what I'd do. It just happened, so I just went with that, and you know, I guess. To be fair, yeah. I suppose the way you've explained it as well, you, you look at it because you, you. When I'm thinking about it, I'm always thinking about it from a fan's perspective. You're thinking about like the club and what the club represents, and you know the, the people that the people that are in there almost. <clears throat> Sometimes for fans, you can love people individually, but you do love the team as a whole. So you kind of think like, oh, you know, if you, if you score for the team and, and so on and so forth, but. I suppose when you and obviously I know you're really really close with them um, with Lozy and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is like there was a lot of players in that team where pretty much like you say you hadn't just played alongside you'd grew up with. It was like yeah, almost school friends, wasn't it? So yeah, I suppose when you know when you look at it from that perspective, it's different. But that's almost the 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 interesting part is the difference in between a fan mindset sometimes and a player's mindset because. Even though yeah. you're working for the same the same thing, you do sometimes have a different mindset on things, and it can go across the board. There's so much different things, and I think that's why people enjoy sort of these sort of stories almost because you get to see the unique player's perspective, and that's that's very much one that probably I haven't even thought of that that could have been your schoolmates that you're basically coming up with. But yeah, um, as it was with Red, and obviously beginning of the season you went on loan uh, to Spurs, and it was officially uh, a season-long loan, I think it was, but that was cut short yeah. and obviously you moved on to, to Liverpool. It was a short <laughs> spell at Tottenham, but did you enjoy playing for Spurs? I loved it. Um, I've not, you know, I've not did say many interviews or, or things about um, about my time at Spurs, but I can't say, I can't say a bad, bad word about um, Tottenham and, you know, that's when people say, well, why didn't you stay in this is this? Sure. Um, you know, circumstances in women's football. Um, I've got, I've still have got a great relationship with um, Tottenham. I've got a great relationship with the the manager and coaches that you know I check in on them, check in, check in on me, and the the players are 
you know, I'm proud to have been involved in in that team and in the, the first year in the WSL and you know circumstances in football changes all the time and there was there was many things around you know why I come why I decided to come to Liverpool um I'm a, I'm a northeast girl you know um there, there's a lot of things that were in with it and it was you know a new challenge for myself and one that like I'm thriving off. I'm ju- I'm just enjoying football and all the the whole of Tottenham support and back my decision. And yes, they're the very sad that I left. You know, I was sad. I had the I think I was there. What was here six months there? Not even. Um, but that that little stint was one of the best six months of my career. Yeah. I found out a lot about myself as a person and as a player. Um, obviously not speaking so much of, of, you know, departing from Reading, but you could say, <clears throat> personally, I wasn't in, in the best place. Um, you know, when the loan came about, you know, if I guess, I um, want to word this correctly, um, if say, I'm not, you know, I wasn't going to be in Redden's plans um, for the for the upcoming season. And I guess as a, you know, a, a person, it, it does, it hits you, it hits you hard. And as a professional, you've got to think it's just, it's football at the end of the day. Like football is a business. Football is brutal. You know, football is oh, absolutely. The, be- yeah. the best and worst times of your life. Um but it's, it's what I love and I wanted to get my love back and the opportunity come up, come to go on loan to Tottenham and, you know, I grabbed the chance and I got my love back for the game and I'm very thankful um, that Reading made it, you know, easy for me to do that and that it wasn't made difficult and I'm forever grateful for Tottenham for for helping me, helping me um, with that. So moving forward to probably the, the final question, hopes for the future. We've touched on Liverpool a little bit, and to be honest, immediate future is, we don't know when we're going to get out of the house, which is a little mm-hmm. bit frustrating, but when we eventually get out of the house, <coughs> um, what, what are your hopes for the future from a, a career perspective? I mean, first and foremost, if we, if we continue the league, it is securing and um, staying in the league with yeah. Liverpool. Um, you know, I, I feel very confident in in the staff, in the players, and in, in the whole entire squad. Um, you know, you've just got to look at the squad and the players that we've got. Um, that's what attracted us to Liverpool. Sure. I like the vision of the club, and I mean, well, first and foremost, we, we want to stay in the league because the the club have got plans. We, we've got a great backing and great support, and. You know, I, I feel I feel at home at Liverpool, and you know, I want to I want to be successful at Liverpool, um, for I guess as long as I can. Um, obviously, I'm I'm a realist, and you know, I'm not going to play forever. Um, in the next uh, couple of years of my career, I'm I'm talking because I want to play for another couple of years. Sure. Um, with Northern Ireland, we're going through an exciting time at the minute. Um, 
I think this is the first time in however long that I can remember that we've still got a chance to qualify. Yeah. Um, we've had, I mean, many knockbacks and I'm saying we've got a chance to qualify because I believe we'll have. Does everyone else and do the other countries in the, in the group think we'll have? Absolutely not. But for me, that's the, that's the fire in my belly to, you know, want to and we're in a good place now. We've got a great manager in charge who wants us to play football and I think the, the belief in the whole country and, and in the whole squad and team is, you know, we, we've got a real chance here and our beliefs and everything and the way we want to play football, like, why not? Why why can't we why can't we do why can't I mean if you'd asked us you know however many years ago I would have said oh you know hopefully in five to ten years time Northern Ireland will will, will start to catch up and bridge the gap and I feel like in such a so in such a short space of time we've went from I guess just trying to up the ranks to now I believe that we've got a chance to qualify yeah. Um, and I'm very proud of you know the how far we've come as a country in the last year. It's been phenomenal, and that's thanks to the obviously the the whole Irish um, Football Association that the are now investing a lot more in us. Yeah. Um, and you know, and that that's that's great um, that they are. Um, but for me personally, um, I'm happy and I'm grateful for every game I play. I kind of, you know, I've had many setbacks, many injuries, um, but I love kicking the football and the, yeah, every game it's like I get through that and it's like, go on, get us on to the next one. And I mean, <clears throat> if I want to be in dreamland, I, I want to try and put myself in the window for the Olympics. Yeah, um, of course. I don't think I don't think I'm too old. I still think I'm playing good football. Um I'm probably having obviously the first half of the season with Spurs, second half with Liverpool. I feel like I'm having one of the best seasons of my career. Um mentally, physically I feel I feel in a good way and you know I, w- I want to dream of that Olympics. I want to dream of qualifying for the Euros. And I want- exactly. I want to push myself as much as I can and you know, have things to strive for. And yeah, I-, I think the main thing is over this last this last season is I'm enjoying and loving football like like a big kid. Um, yeah. And if-, if you're doing that, then doing something right, I guess. You've got a smile on your face. It's always a good way to go forward, isn't it? Rachel, yeah. thanks very much. That was actually a really lovely chat. Thank you. Mm-hmm. No, no problem.